0: Alex, I successfully made it to New York and back without seeing you. Mission accomplished.
1: Yeah, no, I, I congratulate you on your ability to slide in and out of my city like some kind of fucking goblin in the night coming in. <laughs> managing to avoid me entirely in this city of several million people. Uh, probably not actually that challenging, especially since you are going to leave my apartment that much. But uh, good work.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, it was uh, it was a fun trip. I have not been to New York since... I was hired by MTV News way, way back in the day uh, to be a uh, correspondent for them in San Francisco uh, for games, and even that trip was just, come out, work in the MTV office, and yeah. then leave. And that's all, yeah. that's all I did, so I didn't actually see any of the city. I saw a little bit more of the city this time. I had a a moment. I don't understand your transit system. Like, it's very confusing to—I'm sure it all makes sense— once you've done it a couple of times, but like, for example, nowhere does it communicate to you that the F train just switches tracks on the weekends and with what? So I... And that's the
1: thing. It doesn't always do that. That's, yeah. that's not um, actually a, a constant.
0: Yeah. So I learned that the hard way when I was trying to go. I was out in New York for my wife's uh, half marathon that a bunch of our friends were doing uh, together. And... I was gonna try and meet it at a mile marker, and well, I've gone 20 minutes the wrong way, did not realize it until, (laughs) it's like, wait, this is impossible, this was the direction I was supposed to go in. Well, no, but it would've been true yesterday, not
1: today. So here here are the two rules of the subway that I tend to abide by the most. Mm -hmm. Uh, On weekdays, when something is broken or going the wrong way or doing something it's not supposed to be doing, they put signs Everywhere and they announce put announcements everywhere, so everyone is very much aware of what's going on during the week. During the weekend, it is fucking chaos, it is lawless. (laughs) Sometimes trains that you think are supposed to be running aren't running at all, sometimes they're running on different lines, and the way like they'll put signs up sometimes for it. Other times they'll just kind of expect you to have looked it up somewhere like on the internet or whatever and they just don't bother doing it and like they'll announce it like every six stops or so they'll be like oh by the way this is running on a totally different line so you should probably get off and go back the way you came and go do something else. It's kind of a mess.
0: Yeah, or and then there's other just I made a lot of other novice mistakes we had to go somewhere that was on on Broadway. There are there are two broadways. One yes. is in new york one Mm -hmm. is in brooklyn and i well there's one in queens too i live on the one in queens but i just put i just pulled up the one that was nearest on my phone like oh yep 72 on broadway nope definitely no we have definitely gone 15 minutes in a cab the wrong way yeah Uh, also learning cabs will just straight up not take you places unless you threaten to call the cops also interesting development
1: okay that's that's a new one on me uh you but
0: they, the ca- so in, we were in Manhattan a lot, I had a friend out there, and uh, my wife had to get back earlier in the night, because she had to rest for the race in the morning, and I guess the, the cabs are legally obligated to take you to Brooklyn, but they don't yes. want to take you to Brooklyn. Yes. So, okay, maybe you don't need to take out your phone and like, press the issue about you're going to call the cops, but you kind of have to press the issue, because they don't want to take you there, which is just Interesting.
1: So the the way that they're trying to counteract that is that there are now two types of cabs. There are the yellow cabs, which operate mostly out of Manhattan and in the airports. Mm-hmm. And then there are green cabs, which are regulated and managed by the exact same uh, agencies and everything, uh, but they're meant to operate primarily in the other boroughs. And they have to, they absolutely have to take you anywhere you wanna go in the city uh, regardless. Now, so if you get in a yellow cab in one of the other boroughs, they're still supposed to take you wherever you want to go. But by adding this green cab wrinkle to the equation, they're trying to deal with the fact that people, you know, some of the yellow cabs just don't want to take you to places like Outer Brooklyn or, you know, Bayside, Queens or whatever. Uh, So they're trying to change that up a little bit, but you're never going to find those green cabs when you're in Manhattan. So you still have the problem when you're in Manhattan of – Get flagging down a yellow cab and being like, I want to go to the Bronx. And they'll be like, no, which is not really the way a cab mm. is supposed to work.
0: Yeah, and so my counter to that was, oh, well, I'll just use, you know, Uber, except that everything is surged priced all of the time in yes, New York. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> everything was bare minimum $35. I was like, oh, no. So...
1: Well, it was, sure, it was, that's about what you'd be paying for a cab most places, especially if you're not just going within Manhattan.
0: Yeah, yeah. So either way, it was uh, yeah. it was a lot of fun, and uh, I, I want to get out there again soon. You know, like I was I was telling you before I came out that I want to make some sort of week weekday trip to try and see some live shows for some friends that are a part of different uh, things that get recorded in New York, like the Colbert Show. So I, I will be out there again soon, and. uh It was cool. It was interesting. That city is overwhelming, though. It is very stressful.
1: It really is. Uh, The first uh, couple of years I was dating my my girlfriend when I was living in Boston, uh, I used to be terrified of coming here. Uh, I'd only been to New York maybe once ever, uh, and I I used to find the city incredibly overwhelming and intimidating. Having her... Uh, to show me around and to sort of guide me through the, the labyrinthine subway and and figuring out the cabs and figuring out where everything is uh, helped a lot. Uh, as someone who was easily intimidated by these sorts of things, uh, it was very useful to have a guide who had lived there for some years and, you know, to be visiting on a regular basis. Uh, that kind of takes all the uh, the intimidation factor out of it. Now it just seems like a really large city like every other city, except that, you know, People are less likely to, you know, to mess with you because they're busy doing their own thing. The only time a New Yorker will mess with you is if you get in their way, like if you just stop in the street and you mm-hmm. like impede them from getting around you somehow. That's when they'll they'll get kind of pissed off. Otherwise, no one's gonna fuck with you here. No one cares. We did, we had a moment. We
0: were getting on um the subway line uh the for the first time and. I'm used to, and so this is true in San Francisco. This is true in a lot of cities that when you get on one side of the track and you realize you're on the wrong side, if it's not as simple as as you just like walking like a couple of feet to shuffle over, that you can usually like get up and then walk to the other side uh, to get to the platform you need to. Not not the case several times in New York, as I discovered, where you'll slide. You know, often we were only using the the. The, the subway every once in a while so you get like a one-use card it's like three bucks then we realize we're on the wrong side then have to go to the other side to do with the swipe it again we first time we told the lady hey we just you know we're out of town we swiped it in the wrong section and she just deepest most hateful glare i've ever seen and just but told us to go in through the emergency entrance and took our cards but gave me a death stare that i have not seen in many many a year
1: the, MTA, uh, the, the death stare of the MTA worker uh, is a very unique death stare. It's not one I've seen in any other uh, walk of life. There is a very specific loathing uh, of all humanity that I think is just inherent to the MTA training practices. Like, there's a video they show you that just explains why humanity is the fucking dregs and you should never, ever, ever want to help them. Uh, so I'm sorry that you had to experience that. No, it's,
0: uh, it's, I believe this probably is what happens to everyone when they go to the New York for the first time is is yeah. <laughs> stuff like this. And because you look at the map and it's just like it's it's three cities, basically, or, you know, multiple cities just kind of crammed together, I think, which is what leads to its labyrinthian complicated yeah. nature is just the fact that it's really not just one city. It's a lot of cities.
1: Yeah, it's a lot of things all kind of mushed together into this weird, like city-state-like entity that that sort of is the entire economy for this region. Uh, it's a very interesting place to live and be a part of. Uh, and next time you're here, I will uh, I will be glad to take you around so that uh, it, maybe things are a little bit easier. Perfect. So did yeah. you did you play anything over the weekend? Uh, I did. Uh, before I get to that, though, uh, mm-hmm. most of my weekend was taken up by uh, attendance of a, a live professional wrestling show in, Fantastic. in Manhattan. Uh, Ring of Honor, which is an independent promotion that's been around for many years, uh, was doing a show with New Japan Pro Wrestling, which is the biggest uh, promotion in Japan. Uh, they did a show. They did one in Toronto a week ago, and then they did one here uh, at the Hammerstein Ballroom. Uh, it was uh, they, they called it War of the Worlds and it it featured a bunch of the top talent from japan uh people that i i have watched recently and also including a few people that i used to watch back in like the 90s when i was a teenager that are still fucking kicking around uh and it was really entertaining like you know i haven't been to like a small wrestling show ever like i've only ever been to like big wwe arena style events which are you know basically the equivalent of going to a wrestling ice show mm-hmm. you know it's just like this it's this big you know showcase you know pageantry all that kind of shit uh this was like on a much smaller scale and it was really crazy entertaining thing to watch uh even though i really didn't know who most of the american guys were uh it didn't really matter cuz most of the audience was there to watch the the japanese guys uh, perform and like, there was at least one dude on that card who was someone that I fucking absolutely loved when I was a kid, so that was like kind of like a weird bucket list thing to like actually watch him wrestle live. Even if he was, like, way on the wrong side of 40 and definitely not able to <laughs> do what he used to be able to do, it was still pretty cool to be able to see him. Your nostalgia can fill in the gaps that his aging, decrepit
0: body is unable to perform.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's this dude named Jushin Liger who has this giant Power Ranger-style costume and, like, these devil, this massive devil horn-style masks and, like, dreadlocks. So I still got to see the fucking crazy dude in the ring doing shit, even if he, you know, again, his body doesn't really let him do what he used to be able to do. It was pretty rad. That's pretty good. Yeah. It sounds like,
0: as someone that is not necessarily into wrestling all that much, if I was to go and see wrestling, the way to do it would be to go and maybe see an independent production because it just seems that much crazier.
1: Yeah, it really depends on the production. Like if it's like a, let's just say like a local Midwest indie fed, like my Mm -hmm. guess is they'd probably be operating out of like a VFW hall or you know something (laughs) like that. Oh no. No, I don't mean that as an insult. Like that's where most most wrestling promotions that are not the WWE or that tier, that's what they operate out of. Like gymnasiums, like VFW halls, that kind of stuff this like ring of honor is one of the rare few that can afford to book like a real venue and do stuff like that um but yeah like if you can get a, a show at, like a good venue that's like a good club type thing like at like a hammerstein ballroom or whatever the equivalent would be in, in chicago that is a great way to do it because it's just intimate enough to where i was like four rows back from the ring and i could see everything and tickets were not insanely expensive but at the same time, there's a good-sized crowd, so the enthusiasm is there, and people are getting way into it.
0: Are they more—does it seem like they hurt people more in these independent ones? Like, is there less, like, a slick way of pulling off, you know, ridiculous moves and making it seem— Like, it's like—like, it, like how, how is the actual, like, showmanship on an independent one versus, I guess, what, what most of my impression would be from, like, the WWE?
1: It wildly varies from wrestler to wrestler— um it's the basically a lot of the guys that wrestle in indie feds are still in training in some way or another. Um the WWE has its own farm system now, so they'll like sign young guys, send them down to Florida and make them work there for a couple of years before they think about doing anything with them. Uh but it used to be that, that they would just pick people out from these indie federations like the ones that obviously were were the best. Um the the hard hitting stuff like the Japanese style of professional wrestling is to hit much harder than the american guys uh they really do try to kind of fuck each other up a little bit uh it's still staged it's still you know it's entertainment it's not really sports right but they sort of pride themselves on really really slamming each other around and hitting each other and kind of you know just like that's sort of like a badge of pride like being able to take it Mm. uh The American-style guys, most of them still do not do that, though they were definitely a little more game for this show, I think. Uh, They were kind of like, they kind of wanted to try and keep some pace. And I saw some dudes take some real real nasty hits during that show, but uh, no one seemed to have actually hurt themselves, so it all seemed to work out.
0: All right, well, there were some people in the chat actually mentioning some some Chicago scenes that I will have to look into at some point, because that that sounds like a lot of fun. It's the same way that I've heard, if you're not really into hockey, you should go to like minor league hockey where they really, really, really just fuck each other up (laughs) in ways that you can't get away with uh, in in the professionals. Uh, So... So I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to look into that sometime soon. But did you actually you, uh, did you actually play some video games?
1: I did. Uh, I can only talk about some of them because mm-hmm. uh, Wolfenstein: The New Order, which apparently now I am reviewing uh, hey, as of Friday. good for you. Uh, that is embargoed until tomorrow, uh, oh, so okay. I will have more about to say about that on Friday. Gotcha. Uh, and I also played some Transistor, but again, embargoed, so cannot mm-hmm. really talk too much about that. All right. Uh, I did I did play some Super Super Time Force though. I did finally jump in on that. Um that game is rad yeah that game is all sorts of rad uh, I, I I mean I knew what the mechanics were and I knew what the basic you know premise of it was but I had not really seen very much of the writing or the 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 characters and really gotten a great sense of like what that game's sense of humor truly was uh, I was surprised and delighted uh, by just how fucking aggressively weird that game is and, and the writing of that game is.
0: Yeah, the the writing is a little hit or miss. Uh, I th- I think when it hits, it hits really well. When it misses, it sails pretty far off course. I don't like. I don't know why the commander keeps saying LOL over and over again. That, that, jo- that joked it wasn't funny the first time. <laughs> it just keeps pounding that one in the ground like the eighth or ninth time that he says LOL. But yeah, that game feels like they're... There's some games that feel very reflective of the studio culture that they are developed in. Yeah. And it really feels like the exposure I've had to Cappy suggests to me that Super Time Force really does reflect a lot of the like weird developer culture at
1: Cappy itself. That seems totally believable. Uh, I only played through that first tutorial section and then one of the the uh, part of the one of the worlds after that. Uh, so I haven't gotten too deep into it, and maybe I haven't seen all the LOLs at this point, so it hasn't, you know, gotten the opportunity to drive me crazy yet.
0: I do think it tries a little too hard sometimes, and yeah. it, you know, that's that's comedy. <laughs> you know, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not trying to say that that you know that that's easy to pull off or that I could do any better, but uh, yeah, sometimes it just feels like the game when it's, it feels maybe it's trying to be aggressively funny mm-hmm. as opposed to just kind of letting it be um, and it just tries it a all too hard but I think I think you're right that the game when explained to you or shown in a trailer you may think you understand how it works but right. it's not a game that you really come to grips with how those mechanics work within that premise until you are actually playing it and having to... Lay out your strategies in terms of which characters you're picking
1: it was during that first boss fight Like the very first one where you're just fighting that 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 asshole with the eye patch for the first time uh, Where I it finally all clicked for me like I understood why this was all the way it was like I like the all the pieces started to fit together It's like okay Well if I put this guy here then I rewind and put this guy over here then I do this and that and it's like I ended up like just smoking the dude inside of about 10 seconds. It was fucking so satisfying when you actually get all the pieces in place and you are able to just totally obliterate some giant boss dude in a few seconds after a few rewinds like that that when that all comes together mwah, that is that is a beautiful thing to behold
0: well yeah it's it's really fun because as you're going through a boss you know it, it's to your advantage to try you know all, you'll run into mini bosses in each stage and then you have sort of a, 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 a an enormous screen filling boss at the very end and you get a, you, you know you start out with a minute in order to take them out but obviously you could rewind and you start with 30 continues essentially where you can make 30 clones uh over the course of that that minute and place them throughout that timeline however you want and you know as you're going through that minute and then realizing the different phases of the boss and realizing okay i need to remember that when this guy dies i want to rewind and then drop say a sniper uh at you know 25 seconds in because there are these little red pieces moving around that I, I, are, are going to be much easier to take out with uh, the sniper because that means that I can set up the Grenader, you know, at 15 seconds and have him just focus on hitting the weak point over and over with his uh, special attack and that, when you start realizing those layers over the course of that minute and then once you've you know, maybe put 10 or 15 clones down and then rather than it taking a full minute to destroy the boss, you can do it in, like, seven seconds mm-hmm. is, is really, really satisfying. The, the one thing I've found is that it's fun to unlock the different characters uh, as you go through the, the different stages, but I, I have found myself, like, quickly relying on only just a couple of characters and finding that some of the other ones, while they're funny, are not particularly useful. Like, I, I haven't found any real good use for the shield guy. I haven't found any good, real good use for the uh, the dinosaur um, the like sort of uh, Denver the last dinosaur character they have, whose whose main attack is a close chomp, and Brain. then I forget what his his charge of attack is, but I don't know. That may just be my lack of imagination, um, but where I just have not found particularly good uses for those other characters.
1: Yeah, I, I I found the shield dude useful during some of the basic stage progression stuff, but I haven't found like a good like big fight for him where it actually makes sense to use him much. Uh, mostly, I'm just using the guy with the spread gun uh, through most things, and then I'm mm-hmm. just adding other characters where necessary, uh, in, you know, kind of into various uh, pieces. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. That game, super charming. Uh, I, I I found it quite, quite funny from at least so far. Uh, I really like it is for a game that sounds incredibly complicated when you have to sit there and try and describe it to people. Uh, it's once it snaps into place like that, it, it all makes perfect sense and it works. I'm surprisingly well. I thought.
0: Yeah, it's tremendously fun and very satisfying when you find a strategy that clicks. And then at the end of every stage, you get sort of a Super Meat Boy style replay where mm-hmm. it shows you know what you did from beginning to end. But because it doesn't have all the rewinding, it doesn't make you look like a complete idiot. You look like this. Master, <laughs> you look like this this crazy esports player because you're getting through the stage uh, very quickly uh, with like the one main playthrough that uh, you know took you maybe 15 minutes in actual playtime, but then is obviously less than a minute uh, in in the way the replay works out. And it looks so cool because you look like such a badass as you see all of your stuff playing out in uh, real time, as opposed to the actual slowdown or rewinding and fast forwarding that happens when you're actually playing
1: the game. So are you saying that Super Time Force speedruns are the new eSport that's going to be the the hot new one? Well, I think it's going to be super cool to watch people play that game
0: way better than I'm capable of doing. Because as right. you're playing it and your mistakes add up, you know, it becomes quite obvious that, wow, people are going to find ridiculous ways to get through these levels in an incredibly fast fashion that I am just not capable of doing.
1: Yeah, fair enough. Uh, so yeah, beyond that, I didn't get to play too much else. Uh, there is one thing about Wolfenstein, uh, which I will discuss very briefly here before, uh, because I can't, again, I can't talk about the actual quality of the game yet until the review embargo lifts tomorrow, but, sure. uh, thing I discovered, which I did not realize, uh, through any of my time talking to people about that game or, uh, playing it or anything, uh, is that it is a direct sequel to the last Wolfenstein game. Like not the two two thousand nine one that Raven Software made. Wait, hmm? there are characters in this game that are specifically out of that game, and this, this all takes is, place after the events of that game. This is a canonical sequel. To it is a canonical game that most
0: people did not care for. I actually it thought a, it was pretty okay.
1: I, it is a canonical sequel to a game that just most people didn't really play. Like that, it, I I don't remember that game being horrible but it was definitely a game that did not do super well or that people really remember very much about. I <laughs> I don't know
0: how to respond to this notion. This What a bizarre decision.
1: Yeah, and it, what an even better decision to not ever tell anyone about that. Do they make that explicit, or did you have
0: to look up hey, who are these characters? What the hell is going on?
1: I had to look up some of the characters. Like, they, <sighs> so, okay, the game starts off on its own relatively, like, does not require you to understand anything that happened before in the life of B.J. Blazkowicz. Like, uh-huh. it's just, it is a, it is is a D-Day style invasion of this new Nazi threat. It's 1946, so it's already after the, you know, the 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 technical years of the war, but in this version they have continued on. Uh, does not necessarily, there's no, nece- uh, you don't have to know who those bad guys are or anything other than, you know, General Death Said is this evil dude, you need to kill him. That's really all it boils down to. Apparently Death Said was one of the, was the main bad guy from the last game, which I did not remember because, again, mm-hmm. I, I don't really remember very much about that game. But later on... It introduces at least one other character who is sort of integral to the plot of that game later, like later on, who I had no idea who the hell she was or why they were suddenly so friendly. And, you know, like like there was this established camaraderie between them. And the game does not really fill in the blanks very well about where that relationship comes from. So I, I, I was very confused by that at the time.
0: The more you're talking about, the more I think it's kind of amazing that they did this.
1: Yeah, it, it feels like they they liked it just enough to want to continue the story, but not enough to actively promote this game that Activision put out, you know, however many years ago. Yeah, I guess
0: that's true. I guess that's true. That, I mean, that makes a certain amount of sense. Just, wow, weird. Weird. But I actually, I liked that game. I don't know if I'd say quite a bit, but I did like it. It was an interesting, it was kind of open-worldy. Uh, Which was, you know, certainly different than a lot of the big budget shooters that still come out, uh, in in which they are, uh, you know, very hand-holdy and scripted and, you know, taking you from one side of the room to the other, whereas Wolfenstein tried to do something a little bit different. Uh, I remember being surprised how much I liked the game. It was, you know, a a singularity quality, which, no surprise, coming from Raven, who, you know, also made that and was doing... um, you know, sort of the last of the B-level takes on triple A games uh, before that stuff kind of got extinguished in the last couple of years.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I, like I said, I, I only played a little bit of that game. I don't remember a whole ton about it. I remember Jeff saying he thought it was pretty okay. Uh, and it's not that bothersome in the grand scheme of the story. Like, really, the story is just like, look, alternate historical Nazis have somehow won the war. You have to stop them. Go. You know, like, it's not like there's a really intricate backstory and plot. Though there is some other stuff I would love to talk about, which I will unfortunately not be able to do until Friday. Okay. Uh, but, you know, that was just a weird detail that struck me that I did not, like, I, I remember I was looking up the wiki page for, for that game last night, like, being like, is this is this somehow tie into that? And And reading it over and going, oh, my God, this character was this. Oh, they made a sequel and they didn't tell anybody. I can't believe they didn't tell anybody this was a sequel.
0: Weird, because people are saying in the PAX edition of GameSpot's the lobby, they like specifically said that game was considered non-canon. So, I, I'm at a loss. But now, now you have made it so that uh, I'm going to try and find time to play some of that game before we reconvene again on Friday, so we can, uh, so we can chat about it. Or maybe I'll just play the Raven Wolfenstein game this week.
1: Yeah, fuck. I don't know, man. It was just, it's so weird. It's so weird that they did that. I, I, anyway, yeah. So that was, that was my weekend. Uh, obviously you were in New York. Uh, yeah. I
0: I played a little bit of Tex Murphy last night, but not, you know, enough to, to have anything to really say about the fact that there was more Tex Murphy and I was all right with that. But, uh, what did you bring on the plane with you? Uh, sleeping. Okay. And reading. So nothing to report. Nothing to report there. But there was a a decent amount of news in between the the last time that we chatted. Um, The thing that's got everyone talking today Mm -hmm. uh, is the fact that uh, it seems like YouTube slash Google. YouTube is a subsidiary of Google, but obviously it would be Google ultimately paying the money uh, to purchase Twitch uh, for a rumored $1 billion. Uh, So the, the news has gotten a little more wrinkled. As uh, the last 24 hours have gone on, Uh, Variety originally broke the news saying that Twitch was uh, going to be acquired by YouTube for a billion. Then the Wall Street Journal uh, published a report this morning saying that uh, YouTube is in very early talks to acquire Twitch. Uh, Negotiations, according to the Wall Street Journal, are at an early stage and a deal isn't imminent and a number uh, could not be uh, surmised. So it may, it's, you know, you know, at the end of the day, it seems like YouTube isn't interested Seriously interested in acquiring Twitch, but the nature of which where that deal might actually be at and the number they're going to arrive at, you know, may still be in flux. But either yeah. way, that is that is some huge news.
1: I mean, that's a hell of a thing. Yeah, uh, I can't remember which report it was. Either, the, I, I think it might have been the Variety one because the, the Wall Street Journal one is behind a paywall. Uh, but it said that, you know, one of the things they're anticipating is a fight, perhaps, with the FCC, because, you know, Twitch is sort of the number one channel in its space of, of doing gameplay videos. YouTube is, by leaps and bounds, the the, the leader in the, the space of user-created video. So combining those two things might lead to some antitrust inquiries that they will have to uh, find a way to suss out before that deal can go through. Um... So, you know, it, it's not surprising that they're not actually at a deal yet and that, you know, this, these things are all still very much in flux. That said, that would be a pretty blockbuster deal. And uh, I can understand a lot of people's trepidation about that deal going through. Uh, Twitch has its own set of problems that have been prevalent for years, you know, busted chat problems, uh, video streaming quality, like a variety of things that have never really been fixed. A company like. YouTube coming in and buying that doesn't necessarily give them a lot of uh, reason to fix what's wrong with it uh, so much as just kind of like let it continue to exist as it does uh, forever. Also, you know, YouTube, it, the community of YouTube, let's just say, is not the best thing in the world. So meshing those two things together in in some respects would maybe be a little bit problematic. Uh, That said, you know, someday someone's going to buy that company. There's no one else like Twitch that's doing, you know, that streaming stuff on that level. Some company's going to come in and want a piece of that. Uh, It might end up being a company far worse than Google and YouTube. Who knows? Uh, But that's probably going to happen somewhere down the road, right? Yeah. I mean,
0: Twitch has openly talked about the fact that they've had difficulty scaling and they continue, their growth outpaces their ability to scale, which has led to quality issues on the service but you know twitch has a lot of buy-in with the community which youtube doesn't even though youtube uh, i think as of december had opened up its streaming to basically everyone but nobody uses it Uh, so it makes sense that youtube would be interested in a service that has some cachet with a community they're actively trying to court Uh, as far as the fcc goes i I say recent evidence showcases that I'm not too worried of that. The FCC would necessarily think they're going to step in and regulate yeah, this. They don't seem point. too interested in regulating a whole lot right now. Yeah. Uh, so my guess is if Google wants this to go through, Google will make this happen. Mm. Uh, you know, hot on the heels of today, AT and T announcing they're going to buy uh, DirecTV. So consolidation is the norm. Uh, as much as I wish there was, this was a government agency that was going to do its job. Uh, Maybe that is a separate conversation, but I don't consider that to be a major hurdle right. uh, as much as I worry about what do things like content ID matching mean for a service like Twitch? Right. Uh, content ID matching has been an enormous problem uh, for uh, streamers that archive their stuff on YouTube. What happens when just content ID then get meshed up with live stuff? Yeah. Like Would we see Twitch plays Pokemon brought down in real time, uh, because uh, that's that you know that technology exists on Google's end, and it would I have to imagine be employed on the Twitch end, and that seems potentially disastrous for exactly what the kind of uh, community that Twitch is built up on its service, and that Google would be very quick to be able to take down with something like Content ID.
1: Yeah. And I mean, a, a prime example of that is, you know, video game championship wrestling like the the I did an interview with him and I was asking him about some of the stuff because a lot of the things he does, you know, obviously the the game itself and like the likenesses of characters like that's a gray area because you're just using created characters. But he also uses licensed music in a lot of those cases, like songs from actual video games, uh, the occasional real, you know, rap song or something, you know, interspersed as a theme song or something for a match like. That's a big part of the presentation of what he does, uh, and you know the fact is he's not making much money off of it, so it doesn't really tie into that necessarily. But if you're having those kinds of checks for any stream that's going live, his stream would be totally fucked if he tried to use any of that stuff because it would immediately be flagged for any number of different reasons.
0: Yeah, so you know, for me, I'm I'm like I'm with you that Twitch was going to be acquired at some point. They did not seem to be in a position to. Scale the way they want to, especially you know being integrated with Xbox One and PlayStation Four. So it's yeah. a matter of who was that partner going to be, what is the nature of that relationship, and you know, you only have to look through Google's history of acquisitions to get a pretty chilly feeling about what would happen as a result of this. Uh, the company has a large habit of doing talent acquisitions, in which they just buy up a company in order to. Integrate the people into its own businesses, um, so w- it's hard to imagine that w- would be their plan with Twitch because the name Twitch carries a lot of weight, and mm-hmm. it really feels like they're buying, you know, all, you know, the same way that when Facebook bought Instagram, it's buying users, and that's what YouTube, I think, would be doing with uh, Twitch would be buying a community and users and a name. It's just a matter of what do they choose to do with that, how much of their own internal policies get pushed on that. You see that with Facebook. When a, per, a, per, a company is purchased by Facebook, their privacy policies soon change to be in line with what Facebook uh, wants them to be. It wouldn't surprise me if Twitch policies were changed to be more in line with the fact that YouTube is a huge company that is aligned with a lot of corporations that have a vested interest in copyrighted content on their service. So yeah. what happens there remains to me to be the biggest hurdle and I don't know. Does this mean a big exodus to UStream? You, you know, I'm not sure what what happens from there. But I would not be surprised if this quickly backfired on Twitch, if not handled delicately, and opened up a space uh, for a competing service to come in and take a lot of the speedrunners and you know people doing like the you know the wrestling uh, streams uh, where they can get away with stuff that's a little bit more in the gray area. But I would argue forms the backbone of why people were interested in this service and have remained a part of this service
1: yeah but you know and even if a do- another competitor does come in, I mean what's to stop another you know competing corporation from coming in and and swooping that up too I mean it's just like that's the dismal tide these days, right it's just that anything that is remotely cool or interesting will eventually be bought up by someone and more than likely you know it will have you know what makes it interesting at least. Partially neutered, if not completely removed. So, I don't know. It's 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 a tough spot. You know, it, like I said, I always thought that that company was going to get bought by someone, and there's no guarantee that this will all just go horribly wrong. But I remain cautiously pessimistic about the whole thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's it. You know, even if it's part of the reality of that Twitch becoming the service that it wants to become, um, it you know, it would be a real shame if getting there you know, ends up killing the groundswell of support that is going to, you know, that's going to allow an acquisition like this happen in the first place. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, we'll see. It's not a confirmed report. I suppose it's possible that these talks break down, you know, this news breaking early enough. If users don't like what they're hearing, you know, mm-hmm. it's certainly possible that uh, vocal uh, directed action at uh, both Twitch and uh, YouTube could result in, you know, changing policy as a result of, you know, as these negotiations go on. So, you know, this is this is where people should make their voice heard about an acquisition like this uh, because, you know, I, I think as we've seen in the past, it, it can result in, in real change. I'm not sure if it can save the service if certain things are enacted, but, you know, if there ever was a time to speak up, uh, it is in the next couple of weeks when these negotiations are taking place. Indeed. Uh, right after we uh, finished... Uh, our live show on Thursday, they announced Far Cry Four.
1: Yeah, they did. In the
0: middle of a, they uh, Ubisoft had a uh, fiscal call, and just in a PDF was, "Hey, Far Cry Four is coming out on November 18th." And then very My quickly birthday. after that, there were websites and blog posts that went up. But it was a fairly funny way for a game to be announced. That is, you know, a big budget, big sequel, uh, just sort of snuck into a PDF as opposed to. The bombastic way that most games are announced these days.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely not in keeping with with the usual style. Like you would have figured that would have been something that Ubisoft might have saved for uh, for its uh, E3 press conference, but apparently not. Uh, so, what do we know about Far Cry Four at this point, other than that one fairly incredible piece of art that came along with it?
0: Yeah, yeah, that art is something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, some, certainly some. Problematic elements potentially in there, especially given some of the problematic ways that Far Cry 3 handled race and yeah. uh, things of that nature. But hard to know or say much more about that till we actually know the the nature of Far Cry 4 itself, which we'll know more soon because it's going to be at E3 and it comes out in November. But uh, well, it's taking place in the Himalayas, mm-hmm. and it's going to be more Far Cry. So, I liked Far Cry 3. I had a lot of problems and reservations with its story, but I enjoyed I thought they they made a really fun open world game. Yeah. And I would play another one of those in November.
1: I think that was a game where I liked the open world part of it a lot and I really didn't like most of the pieces they put in there uh for you to mess around with. Uh I think that it it was it was a great concept marred by the fact that it just the, the I never I I don't care if they call it satire now, whatever. I didn't like the writing in that game. I didn't like the characters. I didn't enjoy anything about the the, the storyline stuff. But I, you know what? It kept me playing on the strength of the open world stuff. So they can find a way to do that again. Damn them all to hell! I will probably still play their game.
0: Yeah, yeah. It'll you know I highly recommend for people who want to have a little bit more of a sense of what we're talking about in terms of the. Uh... <laughs> Lapses in logic uh, in in the writing. There's a rock paper shotgun interview from uh, around the time of Far Cry 3's release, in which uh, the the main writer, who also wrote Child of Light, uh, tries to defend or you know d- discuss more thoroughly uh, some of the choices made in uh, Far Cry Three. And I think the reason you're seeing people uh, already start to criticize the artwork in Far Cry Four, even if it doesn't tell us too much about. The tone of that game is that the way Far Cry Three, you know, handled uh, race and and things of and, and that, natu- that nature that uh, nature mm-hmm. does not bode well for Far Cry Four. So it makes sense that people would maybe start a little bit negative uh, because Far Cry Three certainly uh, gave us that expectation. But it certainly had uh, its problems. Yeah. So agree, go read that uh, interview on Rock Paper Shotgun. It's very illuminating uh, and. Using the term satire does not—that is not a get-out-of-jail-free card when it comes to uh, to bad writing. Is it, what it, I would is what it, I would say.
1: It presents the notion that somehow satire uh, it, it explains away everything, which do, it does not. There is such a thing as bad satire. Like there is satire that does not work. I would argue that maybe if 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 Far Cry Three was indeed intended to be satire, it is not entirely successful at it.
0: No. Exactly. So, yeah, you know, that's the Visayas, especially given that we haven't seen the game yet. Uh, you can ride elephants, which seems pretty cool. Yeah. I like I like elephants. I think the Himalayas present a
1: interesting uh, world for a game like this to take place in. Yeah, it's a locale especially that be- has not been explored at great length uh, up to this point. So. Yeah, like the,
0: the idea that you can probably go up into the mountains and there'll be, like, wintry locations, so it'll be, you know, a little bit different than what you get when you're down in the more tropical areas that... That all sounds pretty neat, uh, and I'm I'm excited to see uh, what exactly that game is. I've seen some people, you know, expressing a little bit of uh, a bummer that it, you know it continues a trend, which I think may continue longer than people are comfortable with. Uh, in which, you know, this is a game coming out on every single platform. This is not a current gen only game. Uh, it was it will appear on 360 and PS3 as well. Uh, which I wouldn't be surprised if that continues to be the case. Ah, uh, through games that come out even in 2015, uh, because these machines need to sell more to justify ignoring you know tens of millions of users who have not purchased a a new console yet.
1: How many years after the release of the PS2 were they still releasing PS2 games like, like or the 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 hard cutoff for the PS2 were they still releasing them like at least two? This is gonna take a while. It's gonna be a while before they finally say complete goodbye. To all the old platforms, you will see some franchises move over completely. You know, this year you will see a lot that won't. Uh, as long as it is financially reasonable for them to continue to put games out on those old hardware systems, they will do so. Uh, you will see versions of Madden coming to the Xbox 360. I'm going to say until the fucking death of time. Uh, at the at this rate.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I it's hard to imagine. You know, a company like. Uh Ubisoft who is interested in max profits. They're not necessarily interested in, you know, perpetuating the sales of these new platforms. That is just a means to an end for them. Yeah. Um that's that's Microsoft and Sony's job, uh, to to do to, to justify that, to 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 get more people transitioned over and to to sell more of those machines. So until you know, these machines cross a certain threshold, they're gonna continue supporting every single platform. And while I understand the disappointment that it means that these games don't necessarily take full advantage of the new hardware it's a reality that i expect to be the status quo for some time to come yeah for sure uh we uh, also learned that the division has been delayed to 2015 so that game is not coming out anytime soon though i suspect we'll see it again at e3
1: here's a question is it actually delayed because i don't remember them ever assigning a release date to that game um I think they definitely said 2014 okay I don't remember uh, that but I, I i also all i remember about the division was well all the bullet decals look really nice and that lighting's pretty cool uh and you shoot dudes but other than that I don't really remember much else about that division demo and it always seemed like a game that was a ways off it did not seem like a game that was like impending in any way shape or form
0: no it's it's a you know wildly ambitious game in terms of what they're trying to to do and I mean Ubisoft has a full slate. We're going to get an Assassin's Creed game this fall. Two? The crew. Yeah, two of them. The crew. Uh, Far Cry 4. So, you know, Ubisoft doesn't have to be in a rush to put out The Division because they've got uh, quite a bit going on uh, already. Um, oh. That is The Division. What?
1: That is The Division.
0: Uh, they announced Halo 5. I mean, we already knew Halo 5 was coming, but right. Halo 5 Guardians uh, they, announced they announced a subtitle. That, yeah, they announced it at E3 last year, or at least announced that a new Halo would be coming to Xbox One and promised it would be 60 frames a second. Uh, this new one, uh, Halo 5 Guardians, uh, they didn't characterize it as a delay, but this sure seems like they're announcing a one-year delay to Halo 5. Uh, I, I They certainly gave the impression they were going to be on a two-year cycle for... Uh, the subsequent sequels, and this seems like they're pushing it to, to three years, which you know I don't have a particular problem with. I, I, I like the Halo games enough to play all of them, but I was pretty profoundly disappointed in Halo Four in all respects, but the art, which was unbelievably gorgeous, but I'm I'm, I'm still looking forward to Halo Five, if only because I loved that ha- that art in Halo Four so much. I sure would like to see what that looks like on the new platform.
1: Yeah, it definitely seems like they wanted Halo 5 to come out this year. Like there was there was a hope that it would come this year, but I'm guessing those hopes were dashed a while back and so they've been trying to figure out how they were going to uh deal with that. And it sounds like the way they're dealing with that this year is by releasing this Halo collection thing, uh which is I guess uh, all R- the rumor cur-
0: currently, but seems that seems like a fairly obvious thing for Microsoft yeah. to do.
1: I I don't know, you know, like you said, it's still a rumor at this point, uh, but it would make sense uh, if they were actually going to put, you know, if they wanted to have a Halo thing this year, what better way than to get uh, a bunch of old Halo games together, you know, pretty them up as best you can and and put them out there again? Because, I mean, hey, it's not like Microsoft doesn't love finding ways to repurpose old content uh, for, for new systems. I gotta say, though...
0: I hope this rumor is wrong about a specific detail, which is okay. that they're calling it the Master Chief Collection, and it's not going to include Halo Three ODST. Uh, do people? I understand because it's the Master Chief Collection. Yeah, but god damn it, Halo Three ODST. That game is fucking amazing.
1: People liked ODST. I remember that. Yeah. I, yeah. I
0: loved ODST. That game is spectacular. So good. Best music of the series.
1: Damn, that's, that's some strong words right there. It's the
0: Halo Jazz. Who doesn't want Halo Jazz? People
1: who don't like jazz. Oh, it's, then you haven't listened to Halo Jazz. I mean, you're right. I haven't. But I'm just saying. Oh, ODST. But it's the rest of the Halos, so that's
0: good. Yeah, I would probably, uh, I'd probably replay Halo 2. Says the guy who didn't replay Halo 1 and then probably won't. Replay Halo 2. But theoretically, I could be into playing Halo 2 again.
1: Replaying Halo 2 sounds like a good idea. That is the most declarative statement I think you can make at this point.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you know, that's a pretty robust package if they're putting all of those games together, even if it doesn't include Reach and ODST, um, especially because you would imagine that also includes multiplayer for all of those on Xbox One. So, you know, yeah. That seems, like a, that seems like a smart move, especially in light of the fact that Halo 5 is not coming out this year, and yeah, I guess I don't have much else to say about Halo 5. It It's going to be another Halo game.
1: It has a subtitle now. That's really all there is to yeah. say at this point.
0: Yeah, I hope that story is comprehensible to people that don't read the books. Yeah. I, I, my understanding, from people I have talked to, they got that message loud and clear. So Okay. Not that Halo 5 will... Abandon the storylines set up in Halo 4, but the way that stuff is presented, uh, they they are they are well aware of people's criticisms of uh, of Halo 4. So yeah. hopefully that is reflected in the storytelling. Um, Flappy Bird creator offering first glimpse of his new game and also said that Flappy Bird will be coming back to the App Store. So that's interesting. That that guy did an interview recently with Wired and he he was up on stage. And there the, was the profile that uh, of him in Rolling Stone a couple of months back. He's a real interesting dude.
1: Yeah. I hope this does not lead to a whole new cavalcade of death threats for him. Uh, because that, that's getting pretty tired, I would have to imagine.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the moment on Flappy Bird has kind of come and gone. Yeah. My guess is when it comes back, it will blip. And it will probably continue to be a mainstay of, you know, the iOS and Google Play platforms. But... It being a cultural phenom, you know, that moment passed, he just happened to remove the game from the store while that moment was occurring. Right, right. But uh, interested to see how his next one does. Is is Was he a phenom only in the sense of that cultural moment or will he have built up a reputation where he can publish a new game and then people flock to it? I think he can certainly get away with that once, but whether he can create the sort of sustained momentum – That he had with the original Flappy Bird. Not so sure about that. Yeah. Not so sure about that. I'm going to listen to the ODST soundtrack all today.
1: You're kind of making me want to, though I don't don't even really like Halo music to begin with, so I don't know why I suddenly want to do this.
0: Just add a saxophone.
1: Yeah, all right. Like Baker Uh, Street, but with Halo. Yeah, okay. Yeah, exactly. Uh,
0: Microsoft working with Rare to determine what's next. And then there's a rumor, uh, a report out earlier today that says part of that is laying off a bunch of their staff because uh Connect Sports flopped, no one cared. Yeah. Which uh, no big shock. I feel like that shouldn't be put those people should not be laid off because Microsoft was stupid enough to assign them to another Connect Sports game. But that's exactly what's happening uh, unfortunately. Um so it it seems like this may be, you know, with Connect no longer being bundled in Xbox One uh heading back to accessory status. Connect uh, Sports uh, not doing well at all. You know, I wonder, like, what even is Rare anymore? Like, a lot of the people that made the games you loved, they're not there anymore. No. So even if Rare was suddenly to be assigned to make a new Viva Pinata, like, are there enough people there to make that something to get excited about other than the fact that it's just a company called Rare
1: making it? I mean, that would be enough to generate the interest in it, certainly, and I think that's what rare games have had a dearth of recently is any real interest in their existence uh you know no one gives a fuck about connect sports and has not uh i mean the first game was fine i played a little bit of this other one and it seemed also fine but they're not you know they they always wanted those to be you know their equivalent of wii sports and they never were so yeah like you said that's the talent there is a wildly different team than what was there you know during rare's heyday hasn't been that for a very long time. And even like you said, like the Vivian Piñata people, most of them are probably gone by this point. So what is next for Rare? I don't know. At some point, I think Microsoft is just gonna have to finally say, look, this has not worked out the way we wanted it to. Uh, I don't want that studio to shut down, but it's like, unless they have a real direction for that team and, you know, like, have a real confidence in what they're working on, I don't know what what the point of keeping them around is anymore. You know? Like I don't like the name value I feel like has been drugged through the mud so many times over by this point that like rare like saying rare made this game just doesn't mean anything anymore. Well they just don't have an identity. Yeah. And the identity that they purchased
0: is just so far from moving what they've been tasked with doing, you know, the last five years or so. I mean, I I published a sort of an editorial commentary about the Kinect late last week about how I think Microsoft did its own technology a great disservice by both promoting and developing games that continually harped on the worst things that technology is capable of doing, which is replicating uh, a human one-to-one with a character animation on screen. It's it's why games like Dance Central to just use the data it can pull and let actual handcrafted animation play out feel much more natural, despite the fact that it's not a one-to-one with uh, what the camera is capturing and reproducing on screen necessarily. And I think Rare is, you know, ground zero for exactly that wrong approach. Uh, Whereas, you know, had Microsoft allowed Rare to maybe go a little wild with, like if if their fate was to make Kinect games, they got... With making the hardest games to make for Kinect because that technology was just not made to do that. It was just not made to do the things that Kinect Sports was asking, which is why it just seems so ridiculous yeah. every time they tried to do it. Yeah. Like it would work in very, it, it worked in trailers, and then the moment you actually did it in practice, it hardly worked the way you wanted it to. And it's because they just kept banging their head against this idea that the technology would allow them to do this thing, and it just wasn't capable of doing that. It was not capable of doing that, and yet they tried over and over to do it.
1: And it, It's telling how misguided Microsoft was about a lot of this stuff, because someone who shall rename unnamed uh, asked me after I went and saw the new Kinect Sports uh, afterwards, he's like, hey, so what did you think of this? Because when we were, uh, we were showing it, uh, we kept asking a lot of questions, and nobody really had anything to say about it. Like, nobody would give a real opinion, no one would really say anything. Like, everybody just kept, you know, pretty much stone-faced the entire time we were doing demos for this, and people were kind of understandably concerned. Like, what does this mean for this? And I responded, I was like, the game's fine. I I don't know what it is you're expecting people to, to do or to say about it. Like, there's nothing to be overwhelmingly effusively positive about because it's another sports minigame collection for motion controllers. Like there have been dozens of these in the last several years, and while this might only be the second official Connect one, it's not. It's like what 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 does what does Microsoft think these games are? You know, like what are they expecting people to? How are they expecting people to react to them? Apparently, they expected a lot more. They really thought that people were going to latch on to these things and you know make them. The sort of the Microsoft equivalent of, you know, Wii Sports or whatever. And I guess they were genuinely surprised when people did not react that way to them. It is hard for me to imagine
0: the original Kinect, which was a huge success for Microsoft. And my understanding is delayed their plans to even transition to a new console because it did as well as it did. Um, The Dance Central was real key to why Kinect was as successful as it was. And I find it deeply unsettling that they didn't even take away the right lessons from the piece of software that allowed Kinect to take off in the first place. Now, certainly the voice control and some of the gesture stuff, you know, got them buzz. You know, it made for a good, you know, like, you know, Good Morning America, Today Show demos. But at the end of the day, Dan Central seemed to be the only piece of software developed for that device, or one of the only ones, you know, Double Fine, Made some toy box things uh, that understood. Hey, here were the limitations of what this can do. How can we make something that takes advantage of it without with with making sure the limitations are masked by the game design? Right. Whereas Connect Sports, Connect Sports, whatever the new one was, Resort yeah. or whatever it's rivals. called, Rivals, you uh, know those Wii Sports Resort. Yeah. Uh, those games were the game design reflected the technological weaknesses of Kinect. So, like, they were made to highlight what it was not good at, whereas something like that central masked what the Kinect was not very good at. So, you might not out have liked motion control games. I'm not saying that if they made more games in this vein that it suddenly would have made everyone a believer, but it would have been a better use of this technology that to a certain segment people did enjoy uh, what it was capable of doing or what it was possible for this to do. And it just seemed like Microsoft became very obsessed with this original pitch behind it when it was originally Project Natal, which was trying, this technology that they wanted is like 20 years down the road. Right. And they were trying to get this technology that exists now to do it in 2011, 2012, 2013, 2014, and just banging their head against the wall over and over again thinking it's going to happen and it just didn't and i find that a little disappointing as someone that did enjoy the potential of motion control games i like games that get me off the, the couch a little bit and i say that as someone that already runs so it's not like an athletic thing i just i like the act of physical play mm-hmm. and it's why i think Johann sebastian joust is such a cool game you know i'd I thought connect could enable some more of those experiences and it just seemed like microsoft was interested in subsidizing development of games that didn't take advantage of it in ways that made a lot more sense
1: well and if i recall correctly microsoft used to hate it when they when harmonics would say things like you know yeah we're working around the limitations of the system because they never really wanted to acknowledge the fact that that system had those kinds of limitations so it wouldn't surprise me that when they were pitching games or when, you know, studios were trying to pitch them on games, they were probably pretty adamant. That it's like, no, it has to use all these features. It has to do all these things that the fucking camera just could not do very well. And, you know, it, it where that leaves Connect, you know, in the long run, like, again, this is where they are now. It is now being unbundled from the system. Uh, you know, Fantasia still plays pretty great from what I've played, but it's like that's the only Kinect game. Coming down the pipes that I am even aware of at this point. I tried
0: looking up uh, on Wikipedia. There is a you know ongoing database of Connect games yeah. and or K- games that at least support Connect in some fashion. That the list is depressingly small for what became sort of an albatross for this giant weight around the Xbox One that uh, prevented it from being price competitive with the PlayStation 4. And I guess that's what I find so strange about the Kinect is that Microsoft themselves seem to put very little effort and I know there was a moment ahead of Xbox One's release where Microsoft canceled a bunch of games in development that were partially for Kinect, a lot of them in development for Kinect. And I just, just such mixed messaging. Yeah. The device is vitally important to this machine. Then they pull out resources behind the scenes ahead of the machine's launch, and then continue to say it's a vitally important, but don't support it with software. And then at some point, when they fall behind sales, rather than just saying, "Hey, let's just eat the hundred dollars, get price competitive, but try and keep Connect as a vital part of the ecosystem and the experience," they just rip that out and then say it's an accessory. Which I think there will continue to be some Connect games, and it will be you know part of the interface. But it's more or less a death sentence for the for the device.
1: Yeah, I think I, I'm 100 percent with you on this.
0: Yeah, so you know, I get why people don't like Connect. I think it has more to do with Microsoft's uh, intentions with it rather than the device itself. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm not. I am not optimistic about its future for sure.
1: Neither am I. I think that's it's a she show. Is-
0: yeah let's, let's see if there's any uh a question or two before we sure wrap but what uh what are you up to this week i guess wolfenstein is your yeah your big thing huh
1: i got wolfenstein uh i intend to get through transistor as soon as i'm done with this uh so at least we can we can talk about it i don't i don't think we're going to review that game given our, our previous uh policy regarding super giant stuff but uh we will mm-hmm. certainly talk about it um yeah other than that uh just continuing on the e3 booking uh i'm gonna start trying to get a couple of Bombastic videos to, between now and the end of the month uh so that we have a couple of things before e3 swallows us whole that is very soon patrick it is it is very soon um
0: and i go on vacation for for six days starting on saturday you motherfucker but... <laughs> hey got to take vacations every once in a while. I know, I know. I haven't taken a I haven't taken a vacation since I got married, so uh, I'm excited about. It. But there's internet access there, so I, I will be checking in just to uh, make sure uh, things are getting getting uh I'm sure your wife will be very happy it. about that. Ah uh, yeah, no, I already negotiated it. I was like, I get 20 minutes just to check in on E3 stuff a couple of times while I'm there and that was that There'll be we're at an all inclusive. There will be beer. St- I was like, hey, go drink a beer on the patio and look at the beach for twenty minutes. I think that'll work. It'll work out okay. Um, but yeah. So uh, oh, here's one thing I wanted to mention because
1: some people were asking. Hmm.
0: Did you see Godzilla?
1: I have not seen Godzilla yet. I am oh, going to see on. it this week. I think. So you see it before Friday's show? I'm gonna try to. Yeah.
0: Okay. All right. I will. I'll hold my tongue. I will say the. I was very excited to get off the plane. From New York Load up my phone And see that a sequel Was already in development I I do not think Godzilla Is a perfect film But I think it is a It's a really great film Uh, So uh, we'll we'll wait till Friday If you're able to uh, Actually check that out yourself Um, This week I'll be mostly focusing on uh, Yeah, E3 stuff Getting that lined up together I'm going to try and play Dread Out at some point The Indonesian Fatal Frame horror game So look for a quick look of that uh i'm not sure i'll get a chance to do it tonight but it'll happen this week for sure um and then i might do Spookin' with scoops this week because i want to keep playing the outlast dlc but uh, i'm not totally sure on the timing of that just yet but maybe i do have to do it this week because i'll be gone next week yeah so. this might
1: be your opportunity so
0: yeah so stay tuned for that i'll try and pick a night uh, out this week uh so that uh, we can finish off that dlc but uh that's gonna do it for me, and that's gonna do it for you until Friday, when it sounds like we're gonna have a lot of video games to talk about. Hell oh, yeah! Uh, so I will. Uh, I'll see you Friday.
1: Oh.